Hello, everyone, and welcome to CSID's Firewall Chats podcast. I'm your host, Cody Grudler with CSID, and joining me is my co-host and colleague, Morgan Grevy. Hi, everyone. This podcast is brought to you by CSID. If you or someone you know has identity theft protection or has been a victim of a breach and received similar services, there's a good chance we helped power that product. We're the leading provider of global identity protection and fraud detection technologies for businesses, their employees, and consumers. So in our Firewall Chats podcast series, we're spending some time each week talking with key thinkers in this space about their unique experiences and insights. And for those of you who are return listeners, welcome back. We hope you're enjoying this series and have learned more about the issues that are putting our identities and personal data at risk today in our cybersecurity world. And of course, we'd always welcome your feedback and questions about the content that we've shared and what we're talking about every week. So give us a shout on Twitter at Firewall Chats and on Facebook at facebook.com slash Firewall Chats. And we'd love to hear from you. So on today's episode, we're going to talk about online privacy. (laughs) So controlling your online privacy can sometimes be a game of catch up. And, you know, guys, if you remember recently, we saw folks on Facebook posting declarations of their privacy as their status updates. I think those were actually meaningless. (laughs) But just the fact that that happened is a great example of how difficult it can sometimes be to pinpoint actual real things you can do to take control of your privacy online. And, and people are just sort of grasping at whatever they think is the right thing to make sure that their data stays safe. So today we're speaking with our lovely guest, Katie Stevens, who's the Education Program Manager with the University of Texas at Austin Center for Identity. And Katie's here to share some simple tips everyone can take to help control their online privacy and actually really secure that information that that we're sharing every day. So hi, Katie. Thank you so much for joining us today. Hi, thanks for having me. So tell us a little bit more about yourself and what you do over at UT. Sure. Uh, I am the education program manager at the center, which means that I direct and manage all of our consumer-facing educational programs. And that includes everything from a game called Beat the Thief for kids and a classroom curriculum that helps teachers teach kids to be safe online, up to a new master's degree program that we're rolling out in identity management and security for working professionals. So jumping right in, privacy, it's an overwhelming topic. Katie, what should people be most concerned about when it comes to privacy? I think that's a tricky question to answer because your thoughts and viewpoints about privacy vary a lot depending on cultural issues, your age, um, what job you have, those sorts of things. And so I think that the key point surrounding privacy is to know what you value and to educate yourself accordingly. I also think that one of the things that we need to understand about privacy risk is that the more you are willing to give up with regards to your privacy, the more risk that opens you up to in terms of identity theft. So if you are going to be the sort of person who's not implementing a lot of things in order to protect your privacy, then you probably need to be more aware about protecting uh, yourself from identity theft. Yeah. And, you know, we've touched on this sort of in previous episodes of firewall chats, but between social media oversharing and sort of breach fatigue. It seems like there's a new breach every day. Um, you know, there's there's also some consumer fatigue just around privacy in general. And I think it's either a lack of knowledge on what to actually do to protect yourself or, yeah, I don't really want to hear it about it anymore. 
Um, you know, I also think there's a mentality that sometimes, you know, my data is going to be breached anyway, so so why do anything about it? And, and we touched on that last week with Mike from Passcode as well. Um, is this something that you guys find at the center when it comes to sort of the programs that you're educating? Yes, we definitely do see some apathy, although I think to some extent when I'm out talking to, to folks who are dealing with us on a daily basis, it's more a sense of hopelessness or being overwhelmed than it is not caring. So they feel like this is a problem they'd like to address, but that sometimes it feels too technical or too scary. And so I think it's really important to get at some of the simpler, more concrete things that people can do to at least make them start to feel like they have some control over it. I think also there's an element to this now of fear of missing out so that people feel like they're exposing themselves to privacy risks by being online, but at the same time, not engaging online leaves you out of a big part of the conversation. You know, my, my daughter's a great example. She's 16 years old. She's really, really protective about her own privacy and is very, very careful about engaging um, all of the protections that she can when she's active online. And, but up until recently, she didn't even have a Facebook account because that didn't really interest her and she didn't want to expose herself that way. But now that she's starting to look at colleges, she's realizing I need to be part of that conversation. When people are looking at me for college admissions, they need to see that I am present. So the, it's kind of a, a push-pull in that regard. Sure, and I'm a mom too. And you know, one of the ways that our, our family keeps in touch is just seeing pictures on Facebook. And I love sharing pictures of what my girls are doing you know, every weekend. It's so fun. Uh, I kind of always have this voice in the back of my head, though, just sort of warning me to be careful about what I'm sharing and what's happening because of all of this. And, you know, I'm constantly making sure that I'm updating my privacy settings. But again, I'm also one of those folks who doesn't always know what exactly the latest thing is that, that I need to do and to make sure that that data is, you know, just for the people that I want it to be for. I think this all begs the question whether you're applying for colleges or entering the workforce, mm -hmm. what should we do when it comes to privacy? And what are some of the top tips um, for people that want to take back control? Okay, I think that um, there's a couple of fairly simple things that we can get at that might help people. First of all, we need to be careful not to give away data that we don't have to. So a great example of this is recently I went to um, an urgent care clinic and had to fill out a form to go in there, and they asked me for my Social Security number on that form. There's absolutely no reason they need that information. It's no longer mm -hmm. tied to my health insurance, sure. and so I just left it blank. And I think that that's an option that people have that they often are not comfortable with. You know, you go into a situation, especially if you're not feeling well, maybe you're a little bit overwhelmed, you don't know exactly what they need, somebody asks for it, you give it away. So being aware of not giving away that information when you don't absolutely have to. You know, all the time when you're using a credit card at a checkout, they ask you for your zip code. Uh, and that's generally some kind of market survey that's going on. You don't need to give them your zip code. They don't need your telephone number, those sorts of things. So be careful about it. If someone's insistent that they need your information, then you it's perfectly reasonable for you to ask why they need it, who's going to have access to it, where they're planning on storing it, all those sorts of things to you know, get at how it's going to be protected. The convenience versus security discussion has definitely been a reoccurring theme in this series. Can you speak a little bit towards that? And, you know, I feel like a lot of the times we give up our information unknowingly, and it's great to have a checker in place to kind of understand what information you're giving up in order to gain a particular service or access a particular site. That is a balance that is really hard to strike. And again, that comes back to just really visiting what 
is important to you and making decisions accordingly. So if protecting your privacy is less valuable to you than having access to some really great coupons online, you can make that decision, but you need to be aware of it. Sure. Yeah. Obviously, every site that you visit has a privacy policy that has instructions on sort of how to create the achieved level of privacy that you're looking for. Are there any other resources that you would like to share that you think would be helpful for people when it comes to actually knowing what to do and providing sort of simple, easy to digest instructions on on how to achieve privacy online? Sure. The center's website, which is identity.utexas.edu, has a lot of information there. There's some downloadable (coughs) toolkits that'll walk you through how to protect your identity or how to uh, recover it once it's been stolen. There's some great videos about uh, browser settings and other things that you can take care of pretty simply and quickly to keep yourself a little bit safer. There's all kinds of interesting articles and things like that. The FTC FTC also has a wealth of information on their website. And today, just when I was hunting around for information, I came across the, um, let's see if I can find the name of the organization, the International Association of Chiefs of Police interestingly enough, has a center for social media and they have all kinds of video tutorials about how to set your social media privacy settings. So another great resource out there for folks. Any, you know, a quick Google search will turn up. Sure. You know, shows you exactly how uh, important this information is because so many people are addressing the issues now. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and there is so much information out there. You know, it can be hard to sort of weed through it. Um, But you know, baby steps are good, I think. And if there was sort of one starting place or one sort of feedback point that you could share today that would be sort of the most important when it comes to taking control of your privacy, what would it be? I would say uh, password health. So I want to talk just a little bit about the fact that I, I said earlier that if you're willing to give up more of your privacy, then that means you're exposing yourself to more risk. And there's certainly reasons to do to do that because you can be more active on social media if you're willing to give that up and that sort of thing. But it does expose you to more risk. So I think that there are some really simple things that you can do to mitigate that risk. And so one of those would be, you know, really good password hygiene. So not using the same password in more than one place. Using two-factor authentication at any places that offer that as a possibility does take a a little bit more time. But if you think about how much time it's going to take you to recover your identity, it's probably worth the investment. Uh, Checking your credit reports regularly, three times a year. Uh, setting up account alerts for your credit cards. I now get a text alert every time I spend money, <laughs> which <laughs> that has some other damper. benefits, yeah, <laughs> or, yeah, uh, as well. Uh, using a virtual private network, a VPN, when you're, especially if you're out and about online, uh, you don't want to be doing your banking while you're at Starbucks if you haven't protected yourself. Oh, sure. But the password hygiene, I think, would be maybe the the key because I, I can't even count the number of times I have to log in at various places and how often I'm exposing myself by not using a good password online every day. Sure. Yeah. I mean, Definitely. Actually, last week we had a really good conversation with Mike Farrell about breaches and we were talking about how sometimes, you know, employees can be the weakest link when it comes to cyber criminals infiltrating their security just because of a poor password or an easy to crack password. So, you know, that's important beyond just your own personal privacy, you know, there's a lot of ramifications that can come from adopting passwords that are just not really very strong. Um, and it can create a whole lot of a whole lot of problems. <laughs> right. We'll also mm-hmm. be speaking with uh, Adam Dolby with NCAP Security on two-factor authentication and get his take on password hygiene. So it's definitely an interesting topic and something that's 
I'm top of mind in the security atmosphere right now. So um, tell us more. I know that the UT Center for Identity actually has a master's program for security professionals. Can you tell us a little bit more about that and sort of what that curriculum is like? Absolutely. We're very, very excited about this because it's a unique program that's not available at any other schools in the country. The program is designed for working professionals. We're looking to bring in both folks who are already working in the space and folks who have seen the issues surrounding it and want to get involved. It is an interdisciplinary curriculum. The degree itself will be granted by the School of Information. And the curriculum addresses all aspects of identity management. We call it the ID360 at the center. So we're looking not only at the technical issues surrounding identity management, but as well uh, looking at the law and public policy about identity information, looking at how corporate communications should focus when there's been a breach or when you're communicating about this information within your company, looking at the social and cultural issues around identity as well as the economics of identity. So it's a really holistic curriculum uh, intended to uh, educate the next generation of leaders so that they have a really um, strong grasp of all of the issues around identity management. That's fantastic. Yeah, and that'll be, uh, we're accepting applications right now. So we'll be kicking off our first cohort in January. Oh, that's great. great. Yeah, it's very exciting. So what, what kind of roles would those graduates end up taking? Would they be sort of more privacy professionals, CIOs, all of the above? All of the above. And I think we, the center did a workforce study last year, and one of the things we saw is that those roles are becoming less and less segregated, that pr- privacy professionals now need to understand security issues, security folks now need to understand privacy issues, and so our mission really is to close that gap and so that we're creating professionals who understand both sides of the issue. Well, thank you so much, Katie, for taking the time to come by today and talk with us about privacy. Um, before we wrap up, is there anything else that you want to leave our listeners with? Uh, I think, you know, again, make the point that I started off with, which is knowing what you value. And I think also uh, having conversations in your family about those sorts of things. It's really hard if you're trying to raise kids in this environment where they are more, even more online than we are. And so talking to them about what you value, what your family values, but also knowing that your kids are going to be more technologically savvy than you are most likely. So (laughs) my two year olds already. uh, Right. Right. (laughs) And so trying to impose limits on them using technology, they're probably going to outsmart you. So you need to come up with better ways to address those issues. That's great. Thank you so much. And for those of you who want to learn more about the University of Texas at Austin Center for Identity, visit www.identity.utexas.edu. And we'll also include that link on our podcast summary that's posted on csid.com slash firewallchats, as well as iTunes, where you can download this and the rest of our podcasts. So next time on Firewall Chats, we're going to be talking about the Internet of Things with our very own lovely CIO, Adam Tyler. We highly encourage you to listen in. Adam always has some interesting information to share and has a fantastic accent. Yep, he's very charming. (laughs) And if you like what you hear, check out our social media channels at Firewall Chats on Twitter and Facebook.com slash Firewall Chats. Drop us a line. Let us know if you have any questions or feedback, or if there's anything else you'd like to hear us talk about, we'd be glad to take your comments. Thanks, everybody. See you next time.